are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome to another episode of the Meet and Write podcast. We are very honored to have with us today Dr. George Tedros. Dr. George is a director of mission services uh, for the CMANA organization. CMANA is an acronym for the Coptic Medical Association of North America. He's an interventional cardiologist uh, practicing in the state of Minnesota. So thank you so much, George, for taking the time this evening to uh, to be with us as we're talking about uh, a very interesting subject tonight. It is my blessing, Abuna, to be with you. It's kind of reminiscent of the times we were in Zambia, so it's bringing back some great memories. Yeah, I mean, that was a great trip. The first time I met George was at a mission trip. Um, a group of the church that I serve at here in Atlanta, San Mark Church, we, we went on a mission trip to Zambia, and we met many of the members of CMANA. They were doing some great work there, so we were able to bond and, and serve together during that time uh, in, in Lusaka, Zambia. It was such a great time, and and and... Today's topic, I mean, I should kind of bring it up, and, and for those who are listening to this, uh, we're recording this now in March 2020, and, and as of now, we're in the middle of a quarantine uh, because of the of the virus pandemic of COVID-19, and, and this is such a weird time for so many different reasons, but one of the unique things of why this is such an interesting time is that we are, are self-quarantining, we're you know, having no t- touching of, of, of people, of things, we're trying to avoid that, we're trying to have social distancing, six feet apart, and all that good stuff. And I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. We miss touch. Like, I, we, maybe we've took it for granted, just a handshake or a hug from people, and now we're, like, we're trying to avoid that altogether. So now we have like this awkward like greeting of people just because like we're trying to practice this whole social distancing. And this has has opened up an entire topic or conversation as far as the power of touch. As you can tell from the, the podcast episode, I called it, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. I remember as a kid, my sister and I, whenever we would you know try to annoy each other, you know, you would just bring your finger really close to them and say, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. There's something about touch that just, just, just of how we are wired that the power of touch can either be something very positive, something very negative or annoying. There's something about the power of touch, and it's it's how we are wired from the divine designer. So my first question for you, George, is to kind of open up this topic about the, the power of touch. from Just from a human perspective or just from a medical perspective, what impact does touch have on our lives? Like, what's, what's the impact that it has from a medical perspective, just from a human perspective? Because regardless of, of, of culture um, or, or mind frame, we all embrace the reality that touch has an integral part to who we are as human beings. Habuna, it's, it's kind of an amazing topic because actually as I reflected on this epidemic and the pandemic for the last two or three weeks where not only we're giving very strict uh, prohibitions against touch to the whole population and telling people like the six feet distance, social distancing, we're even giving more prohibitions and restrictions to the medical personnel. And and that kind of like almost like you up the ante on the medical people and almost it reflects back to what is the need for touch among human beings. And, and as I relate back to this, I almost like reflect back at the first time this kind of clicked with me um, back in 2014 i was blessed to be part of uh, a missionary group missionary doctors that worked in the ebola pandemic or the ebola epidemic in liberia and i went there for a couple of weeks 
And prior to that, I never appreciated what touch is until I actually landed in the capital of Liberia. And all of a sudden, I was restricted. And I came almost like from a different world. But then, then and there, I realized, what does the loss of touch mean to me? What does the lack of touch mean to me? What does it shake in my own fundamental being as a human, uh, pers- as a person? And as I reflected back, you think that actually out of all the senses that we have, touch is one of almost like the very fundamental senses that we use as we are born. Almost like some people believe it's the first sense, even before smell and and seeing and hearing. It's actually the sense of touch. As the baby is born, they're put on the bosom of the mom. And the moment that they touch the mom, they feel that sense of comfort. And in fact, also the mom herself gets a whole new level of impact in her, in her hormones just from that touch. And to me, from there, we learn the value of compassion, the value of the other, the value of reaching to other people. We learn the idea of boundaries, but also we learn the idea of reaching out. Just imagine what does a handshake mean to you? Just imagine what does a, a hug mean to you? What does a pat on the back? When you are desperate, when you are in need of somebody to comfort you, what does this touch mean? And you can take it to a maximum level between a parent and a child, between a married couple, between friends. You can think about it. If we don't have the blessings of touch, we cannot live as we can as human beings. We lose a lot of our ability to communicate and to reach. Our society actually almost like disintegrates. And and when you think about it, when we prohibit touch, when we are in restriction and quarantine, that sense of isolation, that sense of separation um, kind of breeds in us a lot of anxiety, breeds in us a sense of paranoia. We're always suspicious of the other. We're suspicious when somebody like touches us even by mistake. You go to the grocery store and somebody just by mistake bumps into you or comes a little bit close to you and you look at them in a very kind of suspicious look as like, what are you doing close to me? But you start to realize after a while, it's like, wow, that's actually what I need is like when I'm in the most need, I need somebody to come and tell me, he's like, hey, do you need a hug today? So it's kind of very trouble, uh, are very challenging, I would say, for most of us, whether we're in the medical field or not, um, that when we are restricted from touch, our sense of being, our wholeness, our well-being becomes even challenged. You think from the medical side, touch is 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 is, is un you know is is like nothing can come to the power of touch in the field of medicine because with touch we touch our patients, with touch we diagnose, with touch we take a feel at the body, with touch we're given a privilege to touch the patient, and when now when we are restricted, we are limited in what we can and what we can do. In the sense of touch as a medical person, I think of almost like, you know, the diabetic. Their sense of touch and the protection that they are given by the protection of pain and touch in their feet protects their integrity. So just imagine, Abuna, how we talk about the need for touch to main in an integrity as a human being, to main in, in a health as a human being. If you don't have pain in your skin, you cannot touch danger. If you cannot touch danger, then you're unaware of it. If you're unaware of it, you become susceptible to injury, and injury can lead to death. Mm. So you think about touch from a medical perspective. Not only it is the sense of pleasure, but it's also is the sense of protection. 
I don't know how we can live without that sense of touch. So no wonder in this quarantine, we're all being a bit rattled in yeah. our core foundations as human beings when our touch is prohibited. You know, it's it's funny, George, how you brought up about, you know, how men greet or, or, or touch each other as we're like greeting each other. I remember the first time I went to Egypt, the middle school, and I saw how like guys are just walking like two normal guys, just like just two dudes walking on the street and how they're like just embracing each other. And as an American, I'm like, wow, this is like super weird. I mean, this would not fly in America. And if we think about our American culture, we almost have the exact opposite problem. We have this toxic masculinity problem where, you know, we don't want to show any affection or touch or whatever, man. We don't want to be labeled anything else. So we, we, we kind of like don't embrace each other affectionately or have any type of touch when we're greeting each other. We try to avoid that. But there was this amazing study that was shown in, in a, a psychology study that when you look at um, that, you know, guys that go to like rock concerts or like techno concerts and, and, and like, I'm not speaking from personal experience. I'm just saying, if you look at some of those um, concerts, you see how like, there's like this mosh pit that will begin in the middle of the concert. Like the, the crowd will get together and they just like start, you know, running into each other and hitting each into each other with their elbows and just kind of bouncing off each other. Like sociology studies have shown that the reason why they do this is just to, 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 to because they design this personal touch they desire to be touched and, and to and that's how like they bond together during that time they wouldn't admit it but that's the reality and that's what the science is showing of why mosh pits exist so it just that's just one out of 10,000 examples of just how much we are wired from God himself for us to be in need of touch and this this transcends uh, gender this transcends culture or time it's just wired in how every human being is it's very interesting you mentioned that, Abuna, because you're absolutely right. There is a sense of reciprocity in the sense of touch. It's not only that I'm touching others, I'm shaking hands with others or hugging others or giving a pat, you know, to somebody who is in need. It's actually also our sense of actually vulnerability that we are in need. When I'm in distress, I'm actually looking for someone to touch me and tell me on the back is like, hey, it's going to be okay. So there is a sense in, in, the, in, in the perception of touch where there is a, a reciprocity of vulnerability and openness, okay? And, and, and this pandemic is almost like giving us a sense to stop and think about it because it's bringing us to actually question ourselves. How am I reaching out to others by the people I'm touching their lives? But also, how am I being touched? If I am limiting and restricting people from touching me, then I really don't have an ability to touch anyone. It's a yeah. reciprocal basis of communication and humanity. So to me, it's very, um, it's very telling. And, and I think a lot of us, you're absolutely right, as we look into the sometimes this macho image that is kind of forced on us. With this pandemic, I think we're forced to question ourselves, is it a false image or not? Because mm -hmm. we cannot live without that sense of touching others and being touched by others. 100%. And, and I feel, my personal opinion, after this quarantine is over with and we're back to, 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 to normal life, I don't think we will take a handshake for granted. I don't think we'll take an embrace of someone's hug for granted. Now we're, we're going to cherish that or it's going to mean 10 times more to us than it was before because now it means something more since we've been away from it. It's very interesting you mentioned that, Abuna, because I'll, I'll kind 
kind of share with you something that is very personal. So, um, you know, as a guy and as a parent of three kids, I don't necessarily every day go and hug my wife and my kids. But now that I'm in a sense of actually almost like semi-quarantine because I'm exposed to patients in the hospital, so I try to limit my mm. exposure to my family, I started to realize like, you know what, I'm missing that. I actually yeah. miss just going to my kids out of nowhere and just giving them a hug of just free love and, and just showing them that. And as I reflect back at the time when I freely could have given them any hug anytime and I didn't, now that I'm aware of it, I realize what I was deficient at. So you're absolutely right. I don't think we're going to come out of this, you know, un unchanged. I think those of us who would be wise enough to reflect on our lives will reflect and change to the better, hopefully. Absolutely, George. You know, the, what you just mentioned, George, reminds me of, of a story that my spiritual father told me a few years back is that he told me that there was um, a, a college student that just moved into his state and his town and was there for school. And um, the, 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 the student desired to be embedded into the church family or the community of the church. But like throughout the week, he's in his dorm, going to classes, doing, doing his college life and just kind of being, let's face it, kind of just like a number amongst a big crowd of freshmen in college. But every time that he came to church on the weekend, you know, his, the priest would embrace him, would give him a hug and see how he's doing. And he admitted to the priest later on that saying how much he desired, how much he yearned for that hug from the priest on, on, on Sundays when he would come to church. Because to him, he said that was the only time he had a personal touch or someone embracing him and how much he needed that, how much he looked forward to that. So it, this is a reminder for myself and for all of us, like how we greet people, we never know the impact this might have on someone's life and how much they're in need of, of, of that in their life. I, I agree with you. And I think we'll be surprised, Abuna, as we come out of this quarantine, <laughs> you know, how many, um, relationships we might have ignored or have not been genuine in reaching out in our touch to others and others would either hurt by it or the flip side others who are actually we have touched genuinely who would say mm -hmm. hey i missed you yeah and we're going to be surprised and i'm actually looking forward to learn from that because out of this whole you know epidemic or pandemic i think all of us are are kind of charged to try to become better you know images of christ and how we touch others so i think we will be surprised but i think we will learn a lot absolutely george you know it's it's clear from our conversation that from from a psychological perspective from a sociological perspective from every aspect of, of, of science that touch is an integral part to who we are and we are wired from the divine designer himself we are wired from god for, for touch to be an integral part to our life. And God himself, God the Father, touched humanity, touched us through his son, through him being incarnate. It is through Jesus that he touched humanity. And, and if we, if we kind of really analyze how Jesus not only you know, transformed world history and transformed humanity, but even in the way he restored humanity, even in the way that he healed humanity, he used touch him being the, the 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 oneness of humanity and divinity in one him em, em, embracing 
what humanity is and him being divine himself. He showed us the power of touch and how he restored humanity just through the power of touch. I'd love for you, George, to kind of elaborate on that. I think, Abuna, uh, almost if we would want to put uh, actually in the bigger like perspective, even as you look at the um, creation of man in Genesis 2, you find, yeah, you find the two stories of creation like Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, but Genesis 2 is very interesting where God is portrayed as this potter who actually takes the dust of the earth and forms it out of it. There is a sense of touch, a sense of intimacy where he's actually touching. As I always kind of was, I was taught that, you know, humanity always lives into this like amazing balance that we are the dust of earth that is touched by the divine breath mm. um, because he touched us when he created us. So that sense of being the image of God involves in it that actually we are touched by the divine breath. Yeah. Not only this in Genesis 2, where you found the foundations of our existence. Um, when, when, when Eve was created from Adam, you know, she was taken from the side. There is a sense of like, you know what, that sense of proximity. She was taken from his side, which is his, you know, she's, he's feeling her. And that's one of the reasons why when he reflects back on that and he says, you know what, she's bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He reflects mm -hmm. that actually in the big scheme, not just limited in the marital relationship. Marital relationship is one example of that. But you find that all humanity is bonded together, not just by the initial image of God being created in us, but also that we are created out of each other in some sense. Okay, mm -hmm. each one of us has a mother that they came from. Okay, there is a sense of touch. Okay, none of us came just by themselves. Yeah. So there is a sense of kind of like we are one in the creation and that creation being created in the image and likeness of God. And that is a big part of the touch. So in Genesis 2, we learn the other, we learn the communication with the other, we learn the bonding with the other, we learn the reaching out of the other, because we're all created from that same uh, breath, uh, the, the same divine breath. Mm. But then even after sin kind of marred that touch, you know, there was a lot of instances in the Old Testament where you kind of, you can't touch, you can't do this, you can't do that. But you find that Christ, the... Um, the, the, the creator comes back. And what I love about Christ as an image, when he came to redeem humanity, he touched on our earth. He incarnate. He became flesh. So he didn't only fix our problems from far away as a divine being. He actually touched on the earth. He took flesh, okay? And then when he incarnate, taking that flesh, he fixed our problems. And when you look at how he redeemed us, it is very intimate. It is very close. It is by him personally coming and touching each one of us. And you can see in many of the miracles that he did, although him being divine, he could heal by his word. He rose Lazarus from the death by his word. But there are many instances when you find cases where the people and the disciples are bringing people to him who are sick just to be touched. And you have to wonder, Abuna, what's up with that? Yeah. He can simply say the word and the, the, you know what, the miracle would happen. But yet he took it on himself to touch the sick, to touch those who are cast out, to touch in order to redeem. 
I think there is something very telling in that. There is something very unique about the model of divinity as presented by Christianity, which is a model where divinity touches, again, humanity at its weakness to redeem it. Absolutely. Now, like, I feel if, if we take this, if we apply this now to the pinnacle of our union, the pinnacle of this personal touch between humanity and divinity, this is where God incarnate, this is where Jesus abides in us, in us, in him. This is the pinnacle of that touch, of that union, of that mystical union through the mystery of communion, through this sacrament. Like this is the pinnacle of that touch. Maybe right now during the quarantine, we're not able to embrace this, but we can embrace this touch in so many different ways of, 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 of the divine touching us and, and various aspects of our lives if we, if we open our heart and our mind to, to embrace that reality. I think Ibuna, it's it's amazing to me how when we think of our liturgical experience as this sacramental, mystical experience, where God utilizes the elements of nature to as the vehicle through which the sacramental and mystical power of his real and absolute existence in us is being celebrated as well as being lived every time we celebrate the Eucharist. For me, when I look at last week's, you know, gospel of uh, Christ opening the eyes of the blind and him touching and creating again the eyes of the blind, that is to me the mystical and sacramental experience that I live every time as I go into the liturgy. That yeah. when I touch with my lips the, the the body and blood of Christ. It's very much like the experience of Isaiah as he's being touched and that cleansing every time that is happening in my body um, and in my whole life, I get to be transformed over and over again as part of this sacramental mystical experience. It is amazing to me, by the way, as I look at it, how real the liturgical experience within our Coptic Orthodox Church embodies the reality of the touch of the body. You know what mm. I mean? We come mm. in, we, we look at the icons, we smell the incense, we listen to the hymns, we touch each other when we say greet one another, which I know we have a restriction right now to do it yeah, because yeah. of the virus. But, you know, to me... What does that signify? It signifies a reality of oneness. Yeah. And to me, when we go and then take the Eucharist and it's touching my lips and inside my mouth, you know, it's kind of very interesting. As I told you right now, Ibuna, how I cherish the simple hug that I give my wife and kids. Mm. At this point, as we have a temporary restriction on the communal celebration of the Eucharist. I know that many churches are celebrating them on a very restricted fashion and lifting up the sacrifice on behalf of the whole church, which is, you know, the best we can do right now. But definitely we have a restriction on the communal celebration. At this point, I am longing for the day where that restriction is going to be lifted up so I can go back and just feel that touch again in my mouth. You yeah. know, it always reminds me of when, you know, Ezekiel tasted the word of God and said it was sweeter than honey. It was so sweet. 
I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that moment. But you're absolutely right. I think to me, the mystical experience of the sacrament of the Eucharist does involve the body, does involve the life. I come out of it and I feel completely, totally transformed as a being, as a husband, as a, as a father, um, as a person, as a human being. It reflects back on my whole creation and my ability to touch those who are um, around me. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing is true that the next time that we do gather as his body, the next time that we gather to celebrate in communal worship to celebrate the Eucharist, I know none of us will look at it the same way. Now uh, we have a new, fresh, new lens of how we approach it. And kind of just to highlight, George, what you're saying is that when Jesus wanted to to add more emphasis to the reality of him coming to touch with us and, and for him to, to desire this intimate bond, he gave analogies. He gave he painted a picture. He gave an imagery of this intimate bond. Like he showed that he, he, he elaborated in, in the Gospels, for example, of how he is the vine and we are the branches. So for a branch to abide in a vine, there has to be grafting. There has to be this this fusion that has to occur in order for them to be one. There has to be touch to the utmost for that to be true. And and even though we cannot celebrate now the Eucharist, we can celebrate the, the touch of God for him to be a reality in our lives in so many different ways. I want to highlight, even in our liturgical worship, how much touch is involved. Like, yes, we talked about the pinnacle of this touch, is his body and blood for him abiding in in us through his flesh that is the pinnacle but if we look at if we look at our our our, our celebration as a as a whole package we see that touch is involved in so many different ways even what we see in various uh, services in our ancient faith that there are times where the priest or the bishop will place a, a cross on our head and this is a reminder for myself that my logic is not my saying is not is not me. My logic is it doesn't belong to me. That the one who is above my logic is the one who loves me. That I desire to to pursue the one who is above my logic. That I want my thoughts to be his thoughts. I want his ways to be my ways. That's the reality for me to embrace that. That my my identity, that victory is found in the cross. Even we see in various uh, services of, of, of our ancient faith is, is the church blessing us with either holy water or holy oil. And the church blesses our head, our throat, our arms. And the church is wanting to remind us to saying, you know what, I want my logic to be God's logic. I don't want it to be my own. Lord, I want my, my, my words not to be my own. Because the, when I open my mouth, it's divisive. It's prideful. It causes division. I don't want that. I want my words to be filled with grace and seasoned with, with love, which only comes from you. Lord, I want my actions not to be for myself where I'm only thinking of myself. I want it to be for others. I want to be a living icon of you to those around me. Even, even when we do the sign of the cross as Orthodox Christians, that we don't just kind of like do it in the air, kind of like scratch our stomach while we're doing it that i embrace touch that i that i cross myself and 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 cover myself with this 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 sign of victory which is the cross this is where death has been overcome through his death and i need to embrace that and use that touch for that to be a reality in my life of course how we greet one another in church there is a personal touch in our horizontal relationship as we move forward to a vertical relationship so there's touch involved uh, even when we come to celebrate the Eucharist with, with those around us, because th this is a communal celebration, not an individual celebration. Even when we kiss the gospel, 
I'm not kissing the, the, the metal or the, the paper, but I'm honoring, I'm venerating that this is the divine word. This is eternal life. Like in these words is the, is the life manual. This is what I embrace. This is what I honor by me kissing it with this touch. Even to kind of go full circle. When I abide in God in flesh, like a custom that we see in many ancient churches is using a veil over our mouth. It's not a big deal if I, if I use it or not. Okay, don't get stuck on the semantics or the, or the, the logistics of it. But it, the church is wanting to remind me that, that, that this is an inner transformation, that now that he has touched me, I want him to, I want him to transform me. So now I'm covering my mouth for that to become a reality in my life. That it's not just me just going through the motions, but this is an inner transformation that needs to occur for something to, to work within me. So there is even a touch in that aspect as well. Well, George, I just want to thank you again for taking time this evening to, to be with us here on the Meet and Ride podcast. Um, thank you so much for shedding light on such a, a part of, of our life that we kind of take for granted and how this can be used, how touch can be used in our pursuit of God's love working in our life. It's my blessing, Abuna, and I'd ask you and everyone to uh, to keep everyone in their prayers uh, with this pandemic, especially all those who are affected, whether by illness or by loss of loved ones. And we know that we will, you know, be more than conquerors with the with the power of the one who died for us, even in these hard times. Absolutely. And, and just a reminder, there is a hotline that CMANA is offering, the Coptic Medical Association of North America. They are offering a hotline for those who are willing to help or those who are in need of any personal protection equipment. Feel free to reach out to them at cmanaamerica.org. Thank you again, Dr. Tedros, for taking the time to be with us here. It's my blessing, Abuna. Thank you very much for having me. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CopticHymnsInEnglish.com.